Welcome back again to the Spurs Insider Podcast. We are here in a very secure uh, sound studio, uh, back with just uh, two members of the roundtable this week. Uh, myself, Mike Finger, and Spurs beat writer Jeff McDonald. We're going to cover some preseason stuff. We're going to cover some China stuff. We're going to cover some LeBron James and Greg Popovich and Derek White and DeJounte Murray on down the line. Um, to start out with, Jeff, we are, you are about to head out for another uh, preseason road trip. What uh, what have you learned about this team so far uh, a week or so into the preseason schedule? Um, they're not very good at playing games that don't count. And is that something, is that a source of concern for uh, either Greg Popovich or the Spurs in general? Uh, Pop's pretending it is, but I don't know how genuous, genuine that, that uh, complaint is. The, these games are not on TV, so the people who are listening to this podcast made in the secure uh, sound studio probably are not able to judge for themselves as to whether this is a source of concern or not. So you're kind of by proxy their eyes and ears. So um, can you kind of let them know? Like, not really. I don't know that it's a source of concern. I mean, again, it's just the preseason. I'm making the air quotes right now. Um, I think there are a lot of question marks about this team, and... Um, there were going to still remain question marks even if they came out of the um, preseason on fire and went three and zero and just waxed everybody. Like I, I don't. It's just hard to. It's hard for me and for I think even the coaches to really um, draw many conclusions from the preseason when you've got different lineups, different combinations, different players with their own agendas. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but some guys are working on getting in shape some guys are working on a new move some guys are working on a new spot in the offense like I talked to LaMarcus he's really just concerned about his touch around the rim right now and that's sort of what he's focused on and when everybody's doing that it's really hard to really get a gauge on where you stand I mean you would feel better if they came out and were just murdering everybody but I don't know that it would that would have that would make a difference either it's it's ridiculous to look probably at uh at box scores and preseason games for a variety of reasons. But it, some numbers that jump out of you that, that you've kind of chronicled um, in the newspaper and, and online is uh, Derek White did not start very well. Um, is is there something to that, um, his, his struggles in terms of shooting, or is that just a guy who kind of was busy all summer long and, and maybe not be, might, might not be back in the swing of things yet? I don't know. <laughs> like, we'll see, but... I mean, you, you'd like to think he'd be better than one of 13 or whatever he was those first two games. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's kind of got the – it's not a long track record, but it's, he's got a track record that he's been better than that. I think there is something to the fact that he was busy all summer playing in China and maybe there's a little fatigue factor. He's back on the bench now doing some somewhat of a different role than he filled for most of last season when he was their uh, emergency starting point guard. So I think all that stuff together, and I think – you know, we even saw it a little bit last year. He's just sort of a streaky, inconsistent young player, and that I'm sure there were stretches last year where he was one for 13. We just didn't notice them because they weren't the first two, three games of the, of, that we saw him. Right, and I, I, I do find it um, sort of compelling that uh, this is what Popovich has chosen to do with him in terms of this guy who, when he made his breakout, and we call the, the early part of that Nuggets series kind of his when people around the league noticed who Derek White was, which was the start of that Nuggets series. He was starting, um, and he was able to kind of take games over. Now Pop is kind of asking him to become, obviously not Manu Ginobili, but that mindset of a guy who comes in and provides energy, minutes, um, uh, production off the bench, and that can be a difficult thing for veteran players to do who are used to starting, and I assume it's probably 
kind of a different uh, attitude or or mentality adjustment for a guy like Derek, who, like I said earlier, he he made his impact starting last year. Now he's going to be asked to do something different. Yeah, and he's been kind of, uh, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but jerked around. Like he was, yeah. going, this is what he thought he was going to be going into last season, and then he wasn't for injury reasons, and then now he's back to doing what he thought he was going to do last year, but that he didn't do last year. So it's all just kind of a, a mind meld there. Do we care that uh, Dejounte Murray and Derek White have not played together in the preseason? Do I care? I mean, I'd, I'd like to see it. You know, I it, it, it's surprising to me that we haven't seen one minute with those two playing together. I get why you don't start them together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do find it surprising they haven't logged a minute over the first three games together. The last uh, Spurs Insider podcast we did. And by the way, subscribe to our Spurs Nation newsletter. You can get all your updates from Jeff and Tom Orsborn and everybody uh, on, on what's going on every day. Uh, you can get that at expressnews.com. Um, the last Spurs... <laughs> Always be selling, man. The last Spurs Insider podcast... Uh, we mentioned that it might not be a bad thing to always have either Derek White or DeJounte Murray on the floor in terms of having that guy who can defend and play the point guard position, do that kind of things. And that's kind of what Popovich has done so far this preseason. But to your point, that lineup with both of them in it does provide some things that could be positive for this team. And I think we're going to see that eventually. I mean, you made the Manu Ginobili comparison, not comparison, but, you you know, with Mm -hmm. Derek White earlier and, uh, you know, one thing we all remember is that just because Manu Ginobili came off the bench, he was closing games with Tony right. Parker. I think at some point maybe you'd like to see that. Again, there's some offensive issues you'd have to iron out if those are your backcourt mm-hmm. guys. But Other issues to get through and uh, uh, kind of quandaries to sort out. Um, you've mentioned uh, um, on your Twitter feed, Lonnie Walker. Um, and a lot of people, for a couple of years now, the fans have been really interested in that guy because he's one of the highest picks they've had in a while. And you, you watch him play for a few minutes and you see potential. You see athleticism. You see him do things that... Activity. You see activity. Um, he's still maybe not in the first two rotations. Uh, will he get there? And, and kind of how is that going to all play itself out? Well, I'm not the coach. <laughs> <laughs> you you speak more than the coach does, and probably probably are more willing to speculate than the coach is. Um, like you, you think it'll work itself out? I don't know, but you're right. Right now, he's, he's over the first three preseason games. Uh, he basically seems to be behind Marco Bellinelli in that in that guard rotation, which I think a lot of Spurs fans will probably find disappointing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of on your side there. Like I, I I'm you know I. Meaning you're on the fan side there. Fan side, yeah. I've yeah. seen I've seen enough of Marco Bellinelli to know what he is. That said, you sure have a lot of guards like Lonnie Walker, like Derek White, like DeJounte Murray, like De, like DeMar DeRozan, who are just slashing slashers who slash mm-hmm. and don't have a lot of range beyond 18 feet. So I can get the appeal of having someone that does something else in your rotation. And if you're going to make uh, – for the umpteenth straight year, Pop is talking about wanting to shoot more three pointers this year. Uh, if you're going to do that, you have to have three point shooters on the t- on the floor. Mm-hmm. So I can I, I I get the appeal or why it is how it is right now. Um, that doesn't mean the fans or I have to like it or have like we, watching it. Have we seen any um, better three point shooting acumen from uh, any of those slashing slashers that you just mentioned so far this this preseason? I mean, the guy that's knocking him down is DeJounte Murray, mm-hmm. but he can't make like almost anything else. It's kind of like bizarro DeJounte. 
in a way that's not terrible. Like yeah. if, if he can just make the threes, like you don't need the mid-range stuff from him uh, when you have all the other mid-range guys available. So, I mean, if if DeJounte is just going to be a guy who can hit an, an open three, I think they'll take it. I'm not sure he's really going to be that. Right. But it's it's at least somewhat encouraging that he's made a couple. Yes. Sure. Uh, sure. Will will it come from DeRozan? It doesn't look like. I mean, again, we're going off three preseason games, uh-huh. but it doesn't look like it. The only the only three DeRozan I think has taken a three point uh, from three point range this preseason. He was fouled on. Uh-huh. I don't know what I don't know what Brandon Ingram was doing there, but um, he did what, get three points out of it. So speak, speaking DeMar of that, didn't. speaking of that team, this was your first uh, Zion experience. What did you What did you make of that? Uh, man, it's really uh, interesting. Like, like you don't see a lot. Uh, that kind of uh, movement in that kind of package very often. Those of us who follow basketball, like at, especially um, at the college level. Those of you? Yeah. The, <laughs> as opposed to those of me? I'm just speaking in the royal we. Um, uh, have been aware of this guy for a long time. I mean, he's uh, he went to one year of college and, and now has not played an official NBA game yet. But when he was in high school, he was this legendary guy. I mean, he was like a YouTube sensation. And, and people were excited about what he was going to do and there was this criticism of oh these shots that he's getting in high school he's never going to get in college like in the ACC and then he goes to college and he gets all these shots like he's able to just score at will uh at point blank range and oh well that's great now but he's not going to get him in the NBA he's sort of still getting his shots so far yeah so far and and maybe it won't happen in a playoff series against you know the best against the Clippers with Kawhi and Paul George and all these guys around but he's able to get his shots it probably matters that he can't shoot Worth anything, but not not it doesn't a hundred percent matter. And, and to be clear, he's not a terrible shooter. He he made open three yeah. pointers at Duke. I mean, yeah. he's, he, that's I guess, not a big part of his. I guess game. the game I saw the other night, he didn't have to take those. Right, and that's um, a special skill. I mean, uh, to be able to get the what looks like garbage buckets. I mean, the, even in NBA preseason games, they're not just there for the taking. You kind of have to have skills. Here's, here's a dumb question: He's left-handed, right? Yes. Okay. See, I think like so some of this. Like I don't want to take away from him, but like there were a lot of moments the other night watching. I'm like, oh yeah, they forgot he was left-handed because yeah. they were guarding the wrong hand. People did that uh, occasionally against Monte Ginobili in like yeah. year it's, 29. It's, it's one thing that <laughs> that uh, the great Jakob Pertle said after the game is, uh-huh. you know, it'll it'll get a little easier to guard him once we've seen him more than once. It's sort of like seeing some crazy pitcher for the first time. And I don't know that easier is not the right word. I don't know that it gets easy, but like once you remember things like, oh yeah, he's left-handed, you have a little bit of better chance. Speaking of the great uh, Jakob Pertl, uh, he and DeJounte Murray have a deadline coming up, correct? In terms of... uh, Sure. In terms of... Is that going to happen? Yeah. uh, I'm not the GM. Again, you talk more (laughs) than the GM does. You're more likely to speculate than the GM is. Is that a priority to get both those guys? Because if if you don't sign them to a contract extension now, Uh, then they could be restricted free agents next summer. I think you generally extend them. I mean, that's generally both been, of them. That's generally been the way those those things have worked for the Spurs, unless it's somebody that that they don't really have a a mm-hmm. long term interest in. And both of those guys probably fit into long term, right? Uh, I mean, yeah. Uh, and there have been some times like you didn't offer Corey Joseph back in the day because you knew coming up that was going to be your big free agent this summer, and you didn't want him mm-hmm. tying up. Um, so it kind of depends on how what you're looking at as far as cap goes down the road and what you want to do with it. And Pirtle's been starting preseason. Yes, just like he did at the end of last season. Mm-hmm. That seems like Pop's going to ride or die with that, I think. He'll, he, I mean, it, it could change with them that Sure, week. sure. Uh, but that's that's probably how they're going to open is with Bryn Forbes um, yeah. as your one three-point threat in that starting lineup. Yeah. And, and the two bigs. two bigs. And as somebody pointed out, 
they open with New York, who has a hundred power forwards. So right. it's it's not the dumbest thing in the world to start that way. Right. Um, but Pop Pop wants to play two bigs for as long as he can. Like start two bigs anytime it makes even a remote amount of sense. I think just. That's one way of, of helping out defensively when you don't have the Kawhi Leonard's of the world anymore is to have people that can clog the paint. So I think that's part of it, at least. Also, let's be honest, I think LaMarcus likes it. Like yeah. He, he likes he likes not... Pretending again, this that he's is, a four. Yeah, and this is, not this is again, not a criticism, but he likes not having to do all the little dirty work right. stuff, and he can just focus on being LaMarcus. Right. Um, we've talked a lot about stuff that Pop has done that he's always done, kind of the same old Pop, but... For the there was a first uh, this preseason, the first time the president has ever mentioned Pop by name, and Pop kind of had to. Uh, Pop Pop was asked about that. What what did you think about his response to that? And 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 uh, were you surprised that the uh, that this finally happened? I was surprised it took so long. Yeah, like like our our guy uh, our guy in the Oval Office takes shots at everybody who blinks at him wrong, and it's been three years, and it took three years for him to get to Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich, who have been sort of open season on him for since inauguration. My, my theory on that, we've discussed this before, and this is not me being uh, a political commentator don't in wanna, any way. Don't want to get political here. I'm just saying that the president tends to react to things that are discussed on Fox News. Exactly. And I'm not sure that Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr have been on Fox News very often in the past. It's been more of an ESPN thing. That's true. That's and true. so maybe this last round kind of caught his attention. But that was a, was the lady from Will and Grace on on Fox News that she raised to that level because I don't maybe maybe it could also be his Twitter feed I don't know but it, I I think it, we knew we knew for, we've known for a couple of years now that there was going to be a time when this was going to come into his field of vision and that eventually that he was going to to discuss this and I thought it was funny in a way that he takes the shot at Steve Kerr calling him what a little boy and still says and and almost like has this begrudging respect for pop yeah. i don't i don't know what that is he says he didn't look as scared but uh but pop almost got a little more respect from the president than i thought he would have it was kind of fascinating and then pop obviously didn't offer that back but um i i do want to get into what precipitated all of this just because not because it's a fun thing to talk about and not because I'm not just absolutely sick to death of hearing you or watching you talk about it to people with 30 followers who keep baiting you. But um, on the Popovich thing, uh, and I'm not going to ask you this question. This is my uh, soapbox here. It's, it's, it's fine that... Um, uh, like Greg Popovich doesn't have to talk about China if he doesn't want to talk about China. I don't think that invalidates anything that he said about uh, all the topics that he cares about. I'm not going to sit here and say uh, uh, because Greg Popovich does not speak about human rights violations or about uh, uh, pro-democracy protests in Hong Kong that that invalidates anything that he said about other things in this country. That's fine. He he doesn't have to do that. But I, I do think that it's a bit... Uh, disingenuous to call Adam Silver courageous. Like, I think that's kind of absurd. Ad Adam Silver is not... Everything that he's done over the past couple of weeks has been with the, the interests of the NBA in mind, and it should. Like, I don't think Adam Silver's a bad guy. He's, he's, he's stood up for progressive causes in the past. That's great. I think he has his beliefs. But he's not courageous for, for, for correcting 
the NBA's just atrocious initial reaction to the Daryl Morey tweet. Uh, eventually, Adam Silver sort of got it right in terms of saying we stand up for, for free speech. But this is not Adam Silver. Adam Silver is not Rosa Parks here. You know what I'm saying? And and if if people want to um, say that Greg Popovich has not come out strongly enough for pro democracy uh, protesters in Hong Kong, that's their right. And I don't think we need to bag on people for saying that. They like the like I've written before. The NBA asked for all this when they d- decided to do business in China, just like. Marriott asked for it, just like Google asked for it, just like Apple asked for it. All these companies that decide to do business in China, you, you take with what comes with it. And um, I don't know. I, I, I'm rambling there. But I, I, I don't – again, I don't blame Popovich for not talking on it. I don't blame him for all the, the comments that he's made over the years that he believes in. Um, and I don't blame Adam Silver for anything that he's done other than the first reaction, which was – way too apologetic towards China. But um, I, I, I just think it's kind of, this story is going to last forever if we keep arguing about it. And I just think it's fine if if people want to kind of call out uh, Silver, Popovich, LeBron James, all these guys. It's it's it, it's kind of deserved in a way. There, Yeah, there's a lot to unpack. And I'm just distrustful of anyone who thinks it was strident about anything. Like that they, they have the answer and the other side is wrong. Like I'm... It's just it's just way more complicated than that. And as for Silver's, like it's all relative. Like he, yeah, he's not Rosa Parks. He's not charging up Bunker Hill. But eventually, he got a, he got around to saying more on the subject than the CEO of Marriott ever has, or the CEO of Apple, he or anybody kind of, from Nike. Kind of because he was backed into a corner. Well, I don't care what the what the, I mean, I don't care what the motivation is at the end of the day. I'm not. And again, I'm agreeing with you in part. I think courageous. I don't know about uh, disingenuous, but it's over the top is fair. Yeah. But again, it's all relative because he's he's said more on the subject than, to my knowledge, any other CEO that does business in, in China. All he all he's really said is we stand up for our employees' rights to free speech, which is great. Which is great. Which is great. Now, if some like uh, middle manager at Marriott had sparked this and Marriott uh-huh. was losing billions of dollars, would that uh, employees still have his job? I don't know. I would doubt it. I, sir. I mean, I, I I would doubt that any middle manager at Marriott could spark international outrage. That's all I'm saying. It's it's kind of a, a apples and oranges. The, the reason that this is a story in the NBA is because the the non CEOs have such a platform. Um, and mo- you've never heard of the guy at the Gap who is the equivalent of Greg Popovich or Daryl Morey. Or and that's whoever. the other part of the story is I don't know how they necessarily, well, Morey I do, but how the other guys necessarily get dragged into this kicking and screaming. Like well, it's, not, a, it's not their job to to be speaking on this. And and, and, and to your point, this is where the that, that's, uh, disingenuous criticisms comes from because the people who are asking them to talk now are the same ones who told them to shut up and dribble, blah, blah, blah. Like we, we, we know that. There's, there's, a, there's certain people... I would say a, a, a great number of people on both sides who are making arguments that are not uh, really about what, they're, what they say they're arguing about. Like, like the, the people who want Pop to talk on China don't really want him to talk on China. The people who, who want uh, LeBron James to, to come out uh, and 
uh, in support of the, the, the Hong Kong protests don't really want him to do that. They're just upset about everything he said before. That being said, what LeBron James said on uh, Monday night about uh, coming out kind of criticizing Daryl Morey, I thought was one of the worst things he's ever done in his, in, in his career. I thought that was just, I mean, he had more than a week to think about what he was going to say, and he comes out and basically says that uh, uh, Daryl Morey was, was misinformed and shouldn't have said this, and that's fine if he thinks that privately. And if he wants to argue about whether Daryl Morey was misinformed about the China subject itself, he's he insisting he just meant he was misinformed as to how it was going to affect the rest of the league. Either way, it's a ridiculous stand to take. Like, if you feel like Daryl Morey should have shut up, keep that to yourself, because this only makes you look worse. Well, this is my point. Like, we're clamoring for these players to speak on this, but re- do we, is that what we really want? Right. Like, we really want to force... like. I, I, I almost hesitate to say this because it paints with way too broad a brush, and I don't know all these guys personally, but they're not geopolitical scientists. Nor are we. Uh, you know what I mean? Like yes. you're, and and like they don't. <laughs> what am I trying to say here? Like I'm trying. Like they, I'm they, trying they, to walk a minefield here without. They probably should. I mean, it's 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 totally understandable if they want to stay silent on this. Right. It's fine. Well, look, because they, because. The people who are uh, uh, telling them that they should speak on this, like, aren't going to be satisfied with whatever right. they say. So, so let people let let the certain uh, fans, certain um, outsiders, certain critics call them hypocrites. That's fine. In a way, the whole league is hypocritical uh, for choosing to do business. Um, in the places they've chosen to do business, just like lots of American companies, right. just like lots of American consumers right. who buy I mean, you know, these products. That's there's, really there's the conversation. A, there's a dose of hypocrisy to everything. Yes. And so, like, um, if 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 the choice that LeBron James and Greg Popovich and uh, James Harden and Steve Kerr up and down the line, if it's like either stay silent and let people um, criticize me, or uh, keep the conversation going and possibly make it worse. Like, it's probably easier just to dodge it. And that's not courageous either, but it's probably good business. Right. Well, these guys, you know, they speak out on Travion Martin and, right. and Michael Brown because, again, I'm painting with a broad brush, but they've seen that. Right. They've lived it. It, it jives with their experience yes. growing up. And now you're sort of forcing them to talk about an issue that I don't think many of them really understand. They haven't they haven't studied centuries of Chinese history, I agree. and and Chinese uh, dealing with China has been normalized in our society. Like as far as LeBron and these guys are concerned, mm-hmm. this is a place where they've been visiting since they were teenagers, since they were twenty. Nike takes them there. They go there with their shoe company does business there. Their team does business with them there. The NBA does business with them there. They go there. Uh, FIBA is going to put the Olympics there, and then the World Cup. So they don't see it as some. And right, I'm not. I'm not excusing it. I'm just explaining. I don't think that they see it as some big red menace. That, I... And so they don't. They don't really understand what they're. It's not like. If if they were if if they were being asked about going into business with Al Qaeda or ISIS, they would they would n- no one would support that. Um, you know what okay. I mean? Okay. But okay. I d- but we're, we're we're getting off on quite a tangent here. My point with you is my point with you is here, and this is this is the real talk section of the Spurs Insider Podcast, uh, which also is to help promote the Spurs Nation 
a newsletter, which you can subscribe to at any time at expressnews.com. Do you, know, do you think anybody subscribes to it in China? Maybe. Should we be and doing? We should we be doing that. business with with China? Uh, that'd be. I, I'm not. No, wait, never mind. I'm I'm out of this. We're we're uh, anyway. Yeah. My my point is like uh, these arguments that you're making. Um, I with, don't want to cost us tens of dollars with, with people who have who are yell, screaming into the void of Twitter where no one is listening to them except for you. These people have like six I, six I, followers. I got spare time. These people what have six followers. Like they a you're not going to change their minds. And B, you're sticking up for a league that probably doesn't deserve. Sticking your, up isn't isn't the right word. You kind I, of are. I, I take I take offense. I take umbrage, sir. Umbrage. The, the arguments that you're you're making are fine. Like yes, they, these guys have the right to speak on what they want to speak of, uh, whether it's LeBron or Pop or whoever. But like they don't. They, it's it's you're not changing anybody. No one's mind is being changed in any of this. So why do we talk about anything? Nobody's mind has changed about anything. Why do we even have a podcast? <laughs> well, like, what is life? People might be listening to have you change their minds on Dejounte Murray. Nobody's and Derek changing White. their mind on Dejounte Murray and Jerick White I either. Those are those are might. as entrenched as as anything. I think some people. Might. I don't think so. The, the 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 point is that that this is a. I I just I just don't see the the. Um, the upside of defending, uh, of sticking up for LeBron James or Greg Popovich or Adam Silver or the or the people who say they should shut up. I don't want to stick up for them either. I think it's just a situation that is obviously complicated, uh, obvious, and and, and that's Mike, what I've been saying. Just it is what it is. Like you you could you can have your little outrage. I'm just outraged at the outrage. You shouldn't. That's my point. Don't be outraged at the the outrage is ever present. Have, have outrage is omnipresent. It's it's there. Your outrage is is kind of absurd. Anyway, <laughs> that's 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 what I'm we never have. coming back on this podcast ever again. Well, uh, the way I've I, been I've been mishandled like Avery I, Johnson. I I think that uh, I will not be mishandled. At Avery Johnson uh, would be probably a better guest, uh, but we uh, will probably be back in this secure, uh, soundproof studio for another Spurs Nation podcast. Uh, on a regular basis again, probably every week or so. Um, we have season opener coming up next week. We could be Where's to Tom, that. by the way? Tom did not want any part of having you yell at him about signing. He's a coward. Okay. He's a coward. I think he's courageous. Um, until uh, next time, uh, this is the podcast. Okay. 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 Okay.